Hey, this is Grunkle Stan, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. <laughs> I think the big challenge for us right now is with people who are self-appointed gatekeepers, especially young men who are gatekeepers and trying to tell women that they can't like a thing. You know, they're not allowed to like comic books or if they like the Avengers movie, but they don't read the comic books, then they're not allowed to like Thor. Just like ridiculous things like that. Kind of like a school bully. It's just existing in our culture in a different way. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week, I'm so excited. I'm just going to jump into it. We have a great and awesome guest, and we're celebrating geekdom this week. We are. It is a celebration of all things geek, because and this week... This week, this week, we have Will Wheaton, and before we get into... I don't even have to introduce him. You guys know who Will Wheaton is. Before we get into him... Um, we just want to say how thankful we are that you are here listening and that you came. And if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, we're at the GBB podcast on Twitter and on Facebook, the GBB podcast, just search it. You'll find us. And if you like will on the show today, make sure you tweet him and let him know. Hey, will heard you on the great, great big, beautiful podcast. And you were awesome. He's at will W. If you didn't know, you probably do know that. So, so Jamie, we're talking to Will. We're technically talking to him because he's yeah, on. He, he he does a recurring character, um, Commander Sleet, on uh, Miles from Tomorrowland. And uh, there's a new episode uh, just aired last weekend um, about Pluto that Commander Sleet figures into prominently. So he he came on the show to talk a little bit about Miles from Tomorrowland. Um, and we talked a little bit about about his career, about geek culture in general, and about you know the advice that he would give, and and um, lots of things. And we we get a little deep on this one, but it's it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal conversation, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it half as much as Justin and I did having it. And I can guarantee you, if you're a fan of Will or have seen him, and you're a fan of his work you are definitely going to enjoy this and you're going to turn it up and you're going to remember it. So here we go. We're going to play it for you. Ostensibly, we're here today to talk about Miles from Tomorrowland, which you have a, a guest spot on in the uh, the next episode. So let's talk for a few minutes. We recently on, the sh- on this show, we had Sasha Palladino on and he talked about the Mars episode. And now you're here to talk about the Pluto episode, and we seems to be we seem to be moving farther and farther away. Um, yes, that is correct, <laughs> and we're also and we're also moving uh, we're we're moving uh, uh, away toward um, uh, dwarf planets now. Excellent, which I like <laughs> to hear. So, what can you tell us um, about the episode? Sleet is um, one of those villains who has great designs on various forms of galactic domination. Um, And uh, uh, fortunately for the galaxy, but unfortunately for him, he's just not very good at it. 
<laughs> and he is uh, he's convinced that he's that he's flawless, that he's really smart, that he's he's gamed out every possible scenario. Um, and uh, uh, it isn't until his plans collapse around him that he realizes, oh, right, maybe I should have thought of that. One of the things that we discussed with Sasha when he was on was just the incredible supporting cast that's on Miles. Um, in addition to you, I mean, Mark Hamill, George Takei, Bill Nye, Elton Brown, they all have recurring roles. And what is it about the show, do you think, that draws that kind of talent? It's a, it's a delightful premise. And it is, you know, it's very much uh, all those people you mentioned, um, like, I think, especially guys like me and and Alton and and Bill, like, we all grew up on, like, really great educational television that didn't beat you over the head with being educational. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, It almost like, you know, it snuck things in for real, right? Like, like, you know, I'm talking about things on like PBS, um, where, where we were actually learning things, but we didn't know that we were learning things. So we were really enjoying the story and then going to school and realizing, Oh, Hey, I know that because yeah. I learned it from, you know, I learned it from the cartoons. And, um, that was one of the things that I immediately responded to, uh, when, when the, when the, the offer first came to me, um, I am, you know, I, I, I love the animation style. Um, I loved just the entire conceit of the story. I loved the idea of, of miles and, and, and the whole, like, you know, his whole situation. Um, and I was really thrilled at the opportunity to play this kind of character and this particular character and finding out the kind of company that I was in, um, was just kind of like a, a huge bonus that, uh, you know, that, 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 that I'd never expected. Yeah. So Miles is far from your first role as a voice actor. You've been in countless shows and video games. What is it that you like about voice acting versus on-screen acting? Or do you have a preference? Voice acting is so, so different from on-camera acting. Um, We literally can only use our voices to bring a character to life. There's no body language. There's, you know, there's, there's no, um, uh, there's, we can't do something with like a long pointed look or anything like that. It's all what's coming out of our voices. And, uh, I worked really hard for a really long time to earn a spot in the voice acting community, uh, you know, where I, where I can do these types of roles and, I always feel really good and I feel like I have accomplished something when I get to do one of them um, because it, it really, it isn't easy. You know, the, the great actors make it look easy, but when I'm in a room with John DiMaggio and Billy West and Dee Bradley Baker yeah. and I, you know, and I'm just like, I don't know how I got here, but I'll take <laughs> it. Um, um, it's, it's such a different experience, uh, you know, for, for animation, um, I I always get to work with incredible people. Um, uh, every one of these shows that I'm on has a phenomenal cast, so I get to work with people that I just admire and 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 look up to every single time, and uh, and that's great and it's really really fun. And unlike on camera acting, 
we're not at the mercy of the environment. We don't have to, um, you know, it's, it's impossible to forget a line. Um, it's impossible to miss a mark. Um, you know, we don't do the same scene for nine different angles to get tons and tons of coverage. Um, it's just, it's, it's a different experience. There are absolutely wonderful things that we can do on camera. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, this kind of, this kind of voice work is, it's really something special and I'm really grateful that I have the opportunity to do it. Yeah, it, it really is a, a fantastic show. And it's precisely for that reason that you mentioned before. It's that it's, it's an educational show, but it doesn't feel like one. You know, kids walk away at the end of 22 minutes and they don't really realize that they've learned something really valuable. Yeah, and I think I think that's really terrific. It's a great way that sort of like stealth learning yeah. is is really, you know, is, is really terrific. And, and especially at a time in our uh, culture where kids are spending a lot of time in front of a TV or, or, or looking at a tablet computer or something like that. If, uh, you know, if there's, if they're going to be doing something like that, um, uh, I, I think it's terrific that they can be doing something that is, is helping them learn things that are going to help them out in their lives. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, and it's great if they don't know it. Yeah. We're, um, we're in the middle right now, sort of a, like a nerd renaissance, for lack of a better term. And you've certainly been a very vocal cheerleader for acceptance of nerd culture for a very long time. Um, but I'm wondering, did you ever wish that there were someone like you to champion that cause when you were a kid? Um, I try very hard to be the kind of person that I would, would have wanted my kids to look up to. Yeah. Um, even though my kids are grown, I try to still be that person um, because I know that there are kids out there who pay attention to the stuff that I do and, and I want to be a good positive role model for them. If there had been someone saying, Hey, weird kid, that stuff you like that people, you know, tease you about is actually kind of cool. It would have fundamentally changed the direction of my life and I wouldn't be who I am. Um, uh, I, I, uh, you know, one of my favorite episode of Star Trek, the next generation is tapestry. Mm -hmm. And in in Tapestry, Picard's given an opportunity to change this part of his life where uh, he got into a fight and was stabbed through the heart and they had to put an artificial heart in him. And uh, uh, he takes it because it will mean that he doesn't have an artificial heart and it'll mean that he doesn't have to get, you know, maintenance on it or whatever. But what, 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 what happens is it fundamentally changes his life. And instead of becoming the captain of the enterprise. He's just, just this kind of mid-level forgettable ensign on the enterprise who never did anything. And he talks about it and he, the way Picard describes it is he says, I plucked on one thread and it unraveled the tapestry of my life. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel whenever I'm presented with an opportunity to change the, any, anything that I would have experienced growing up, I think it would have really unraveled the tapestry of my life. And it would not, had that person existed then, it would, I would not be inspired to try and be that person now. Um, and I, I love when I have an opportunity to be that person for, Mm -hmm. for, for a kid or sometimes for an adult, 
right? Who's just like, you know what? I really love role-playing games and, uh, and I loved them as a kid. And I felt like I couldn't talk about it with my coworkers because that's just for kids or whatever. Oh, and it turns out they, there's six guys at my work and they like it too. And we, now we play every Sunday and I have friends, right? Like that's, that's really, that's really great. Um, uh, you know, the, the one thing that I am trying very hard to help people understand or, or like that I'm, that I'm trying to get this idea to take hold is that being a nerd isn't about what you love. It's about the way that you love it. Mm-hmm. So like my friend John Rogers says that fantasy football is D&D for jocks. And I think he's totally right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, I think that, that there is a person in the world who is nerdy for like, like NASCAR or knitting yeah. Um, or, or photography the way I'm nerdy for Dr. Who and, uh, and, you know, and, and, and playing, uh, uh, board games. Yeah. Uh, we love it in the same way. Um, so I think that, that one of the things that I, that I would love to have happen that I'm trying really hard to, to, to help happen is an acceptance of people loving things in that wonderful nerdy way that we love things. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Um, so we're part of a site called Geek Dad. So this is obviously something that's near and dear to us. Uh, we're very vocal about getting our kids to embrace the things they love with like-minded people. So I'm curious, would you call your kids geeks too, or did they grow up like? Oh, absolutely. Things? No, ab- absolutely. Um, uh, and and that thing that I was talking about about you know being a nerd is what is how you love it. My son Nolan doesn't really doesn't really like science fiction the way that I do. Um, and doesn't particularly care about fantasy the way that, the way that I do, but he's a giant fitness nerd. Um, you know, like, like I would lose my mind if I got to meet David Tennant, Nolan would lose his, lose his mind if he ever got to meet Tim Ferriss. Um, like he, and, and he, he is a, he's a, uh, he chose a career as a personal trainer and a, and a nutritional counselor. And he helps people like, better themselves physically and, and better their health and, and, and just, you know, take care of themselves and he loves it. And, uh, and he's a giant nerd for that stuff. His older brother, Ryan loves science fiction and fantasy and film the same way I do. And Ryan is a writer and Ryan writes, uh, writes science fiction and fantasy and does world building and, and does, you know, and all those things that we do when we're like, you know, designing RPG campaigns and stuff like that. And they are giant nerds in their own way for those things. As a dad, I, I love so much of what you've, what you've put out there and and the message that you, you keep trying to hammer home to kids, especially. Um, and I really love the speech that you gave. I think it was in Calgary a couple of years ago that the speech you gave yeah. to the little girl about why being a nerd is so awesome. Um, and it's definitely something that I certainly try to instill in my own daughter. Um, but I'm wondering, honestly, if you ever think that we're going to live in a post-bullying world. Um, no, I don't. I mean, and I think that we're going to have to keep the thing is like that world we can't, we can't make that world completely exist, but we can, but we can constantly be building it. Right. And, and that I think is, you know, I think the big challenge for us right now is, um, is with people who are self-appointed gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. 
and um, you know that's especially young men who are gatekeepers and trying to tell women that they can't like a thing. You know they're not allowed to like comic books, or you know if they like the Avengers movie but they don't read the comic books, then they're not allowed to like Thor. Just like ridiculous things like that. Right. Um, I think that it is what is happening is it is it's filling the same kind of um, archetypical role of uh, uh, like, you know, of, of kind of like a school bully. It's just existing in our culture in a different way. And I think those of us who have the privilege of being leaders in this community um, have the responsibility to call that behavior out whenever we see it mm-hmm. so that people learn that it's not okay and learn that it's hurtful. And we continue and, and then we take a step toward building that world. Um, and I think it's okay that that world's never going to fully completely exist because the experience of constantly working to build it brings more people into that process and no one takes for granted what we have because we're constantly working on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kudos to you for for taking that stand and, and speaking up and calling out those that behavior when you see it. Because not enough people do, I think. I think more people do it than than we realize, um, yeah. especially when it's happening to our daughters. Yeah. Um, uh, because it's so infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and uh, I think it's wonderful that you know one of the reasons I love Geek Dad and Geek Mom so much is. Uh, seeing what all of all of you who write the sites do with your kids. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, I think that's, I think it's terrific. And, um, you know, we don't, you don't turn around a giant aircraft carrier in one quick move. Um, You know, it's, it's a little bit at a time. Um, But I think that we're doing a great thing, creating a great world and and kind of normalizing um, this really wonderful, positive behavior and, uh, um, you know, you go to, I think it's awesome that like, for example, that toy stores are just putting out toys. They're not segregating yeah. them from boys and girls. It's about I time. think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, that's so great. Um, and, uh, it's, um, you know, to sort of like to, to, to bring, to bring back around to miles from Tomorrowland, this is, this is a show with strong male and female characters Absolutely. who are curious of, who are curious about the world, who are, are willing to uh, like do wonderful heroic things and little boys and little girls watching this show are going to be inspired and they're going to be excited and they're going to get, they're going to go to their computers, they're going to go to their tablets and they're going to learn more about these things that we're inspiring them to learn about because we've made it fun and we've made it cool. And then they carry that positivity into the rest of their lives and they carry that into other things, that curiosity and that passion and that joy for, for learning and sharing cool things with other people. Like it's impossible to not get excited. Like you, it's, everybody gets excited about space. Just like (laughs) every time a new picture comes out from, from Pluto, I'm just, I sit there and just look at it for the longest time, even though I don't really know what I'm looking at, you know, I have Mm -hmm. friends who are scientists and they can tell me what I'm looking at, (laughs) but I'm just like blown away that like we did that. Like we took those pictures with a probe that launched almost a decade ago. Our knowledge of Pluto went from like a grainy pixelated dot 
to a high definition mm-hmm. image in a matter of hours. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite planet or planetoid or, or moon? I tell you, I'm a big fan of Earth because it's the only <laughs> one that I can live on. <laughs> Good answer. Um, I, I know we don't have a whole lot of more time with you, but I just wanted to get one more question out here. Uh, Stand By Me is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time, and I love it for just so many oh, reasons. Thanks. Um, and I know you started acting when you were quite young. Um, obviously before Star Trek and before Stand By Me even. Uh, and, and so I know, and I know you went through a lot over the years and that's like you were, you alluded to before. It all went to building up who you are today. So I'm wondering, what do you recommend to parents who are considering trying to get their kids into the industry? Because I'm sure there are. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. We only get one childhood. We have an entire adult life to have a career. And when you push your kids into a profession, whether that is acting or music or sports or any of those things, you take their childhood away from them. And that time in your life where it's okay to be a kid and it's okay to screw up and it's okay to goof off, you lose that. And that kid spends the rest of their adult life trying to um, come to acceptance that they didn't get to have that. Yeah. If, if a kid wants to be a performer, there are n- wonderful non-professional ways that they can do that. There's, you know, all these wonderful, uh, there's drama in, in high school and middle school and there's orchestra in, in those environments. And there's, you know, there's after school clubs and things like that, but let them be kids. Don't force them into being professional, uh, performers, um, because they, you're taking something away from them that they will never be able to get back. So that being said, do you have regrets? Um, well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, the thing about, so, but, but it it goes back to what I said about tapestry, the regrets are, you know, I, I'm, I'm really, I, I miss that I didn't get to have a lot of the experiences that my peers had. And, you know, it was, it, I, I, I wish that I, I think I would have been like a more fully developed human in my teens, instead of being so awkward and weird and not knowing how to talk to people and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but all of those experiences, including the regrets, including the parts that, that were painful, that, that were sad, that are, you know, that are still all, including those parts that I view as being negative, they all shaped who I am now. And I love my life. I, I have, a, I, I love my family. Um, I love the work that I do. I love the people who I know, um, like I'm really, really happy with a really amazing life. And had I not had those experiences, I would not have worked to build the life that I have. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I absolutely regret not having a, like, you know, what I guess would be a normal childhood, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I would not want to change it because it played a big part in who I am now. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. This has been phenomenal. Yeah, it's a pleasure.
And we haven't had such a response as we did when we told, we always put out for fan questions. And when we said, Will Wheaton's coming on the show, it was just crazy. It was a, how many it was a deluge of questions. And we, we, we didn't even have <laughs> oh, that's to get wonderful. to I really, uh, I'm, 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 I'm really touched and I'm, and I'm really, it's, it's humbling, uh, to know that. And it, it's, that, that really means a lot to me. Um, uh, geek dad has been so wonderful and supportive of all the stuff that I've done over the years. And, um, uh, it always, it's, I love it when I get to talk to you guys. Oh, fantastic. And you are more than welcome to come back on this show or come back to Geek Dad at any time. Just say the word. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Well, that was our interview with Will Wheaton here on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. And just the things that we got into in that conversation really resonate with me. And it's amazing to hear him talk about his experiences. And Jamie, I love how honest he was about getting in getting your kids into the industry yeah. oh yeah and like he when he said it's just it you know it hits you like a ton of bricks i couldn't and, even finish the question and he already he already knew the answer no yeah. absolutely just don't do it i mean there was there was no hesitation and it's i mean it's clear that he he's been through a lot he went through a lot in his career and in his life um and all of that factors into that that decision that he has made and the advice that he's 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 giving to people um, but you know, it, it is, it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge decision to make on someone else's behalf. If you're a parent thinking about doing that to their kid, to your kids, you know, it starts off with, let's just go to New York and audition for a few commercials because it might be fun. And then it quickly snowballs out, out from there. Um, and I, I can't imagine putting my kids through that just from the stories that I've heard. Um, and I can't imagine what life must be like for kids who get on, you know, a popular TV show or get mm -hmm. a, you know, a, a, a strong role in a, in a major motion picture. Um, it, it, it's just unreal. I have no idea what it's like. And I don't think that I would really necessarily want to know what that's like. Well, and I think about my own childhood and I know that I wouldn't want that gone. I wouldn't, I don't think oh, I'd I, want to grow up at eight years old. You know? No, I mean, I see my <laughs> kids now and, you know, the thing now, especially, you know, in 2015 is that everybody talks about how overcommitted kids are mm -hmm. and that they don't have any free time and they don't, you know, they come home from school and they have this to do and that to do and this lesson and that class and homework time and reading time. And they're just so overcommitted that they don't have time to be kids. And I'll admit my kids are probably overcommitted, but mm -hmm. we make a concerted effort to make sure that every day they have unstructured time that they could just run around. They run around screaming in the backyard, climb the tree, you know, do whatever they want to do because it the t it goes so fast. You know, next mm -hmm. thing I know is she's going to be in he the both of them they're going to be in high school and then they're going to be going to college and you know they won't be able to just go climb a tree. You know, yeah. so <laughs> I say let them do it now. Let them have that childhood and enjoy it. Right. And how much are Geek Dad writer is going to flip when they find out that Will Re Will Wheaton is a reader? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a great site, and I mean, I am not an original contributor to Geek Dad. I'm relatively I'm a relatively new addition to the site, um, but I have been a longtime reader. So um, yeah, it was just a thrill to be able to to join the team, and now to be adding our own mark with this podcast. Also, um, yeah, it's just a thrill, and I. I I, I I was never unaware of the the reach and the footprint that the site has. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's very it's very um, it's humbling and it's a little bit overwhelming to hear from somebody like Will Wheaton. But it's I I know that you know there are people out there like him who do read it and do support us. So it's great. 
And we are just getting started with our podcast. We've been around for almost a year, but our interviews are just picking up and picking up and we're getting, you know, different guests all through. Jamie's a master booker, I say. (laughs) (laughs) He gets us all these great people and I can't wait to see where the future goes. So thank you for coming along with us on this ride. And we promise it's just going to get better from here. The more people we interview, the more people we can attract to come be interviewed. That's right. So thank you guys. So we're doing a contest on iTunes and for iTunes reviews. And this will really help get the word out about our podcast because iTunes ranks us in their algorithm based on different factors such as downloads and iTunes reviews. So if you could please, if you like the show, leave us a review and we're kind of bribing you a little bit to do it because <laughs> we, have, we have a we have a fantastic prize to give away to somebody that that reviews us. And Jamie, maybe you can tell us a little more about that. Yeah, we recorded an interview with Ian Desher, who is the author of the six Shakespeare Star Wars books from Quirk Books. Um, they're they're just amazingly awesome books. They're so much fun. Um, and we're sitting on that that episode for a couple more weeks. Um, so, and we're giving people the chance to to go onto iTunes, leave a review. Um, and if you do between you know, when we first started announcing that until that episode with Ian airs, um, then you're in the running to be randomly picked. You're going to get a, a copy of the episode one, The Phantom of Menace. The Phantom of Menace. I love yes, it. Yes, because it's, it's the Shakespeare version. Yeah, that is fantastic. So, guys, we'd love to see your reviews. We want to get this show out to as many people that would want to listen because I think our interviews are, we, we cut to the, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I love what we do. So I kind of promote it. So I'll promote <laughs> it a lot, but I think we really cut beyond, uh, beyond the surface when we interview these people and, and we work hard at it. So I hope you guys, I hope you guys like it basically. <laughs> and thank you for listening. And thank you for listening because it's all for you. <laughs> it really is. I'm not being sarcastic. Thanks guys. Have a great week. Talk to you next week. (laughs) This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.